Radio Mano Papachango. Chris, this is Josh. I'm sitting in Arusha, Tanzania, staring at Mount Meru. I just spent a week with the Hadzabe hunter-gatherer tribe around Lake Iasi, then did an incredible safari in Ngorogoro Crater. I can thank you, Roundaboutly. I found out about this opportunity through someone you had on the podcast, and they're actually here as part of the group. So thanks for what you do. Keep it up. Hey, Chris and listeners. Uh, my name's Christian. I'm from Iceland, but I'm living in Arizona right now. I'm a big fan of the polarity of these two places. A lot of people don't know that Arizona is actually the most biodiverse state in the country when it comes to plant life. Um, but anyway, I'm just at my day job right now at a sensory deprivation tank spa. And I'm actually the guy that did the drawing that you're using as your Twitter avatar. <laughs> I sent you that drawing a couple months ago, and I don't have a Twitter, so I didn't notice until recently, but I thought that was pretty cool. And uh, yeah, been listening to the podcast, been liking it, so keep doing what you're doing and keep on rocking in the free world. Well, I'm rocking in a semi-free world. How about that? It's probably the best we can do. Uh, yeah, thank you. That's uh, Komershi, C-O-M-U-R-S-H-Y, I think is how he spells it. Uh Really cool guy. Uh, never met him in person, but he sent me that, that uh, I guess it's a painting uh, that he did of me. That's my Twitter handle that uh, is one of the, the less disturbing uh, portraits of me that I've ever seen. <laughs> and, um, and then later he sent me a, a, this big ass painting, like two feet by three feet of Hunter S. Thompson that is uh, a really beautiful painting um, and the idea was that I was going to pass it along to Joe Rogan because I know Joe's a big Hunter S. Thompson fan um, but I haven't I've sent Joe a few texts and uh, haven't heard back from him I guess he just gets inundated with people sending him things and um, I don't know doesn't have room for it all or whatever uh, but Joe, if you're listening to this, it's a really cool painting. Check it out. Get back to me. Otherwise, I, I guess I'll keep it. But I don't have a house. So uh, anyone with a connection to Hunter S. Thompson out there, let me know. Um, I For a while, I, I was supposed to do a podcast with Hunter's widow. Um, but that fell through. I forget why. Maybe because I just forgot. But... In any case, uh, when I get back to Colorado, I know some people up around Aspen from the old days. So maybe uh, there's a, I know there's a bar he used to go to a lot. Um, maybe I'll pass it along to the bar, the, the Willow Creek or something like that. Anyway, uh, this is a really special episode uh, with Tony Gonzalez. And also, oh, I, I shouldn't, Josh, with the Hadzabi. I mean, God, I didn't even comment on that. Awesome. Uh, I imagine you were there with Callie, uh, 
Russell, who hopefully I'll be seeing in the next week or so, headed up to Whitefish, where she's located. So if she's up there, uh, maybe we'll do another podcast with her, or at least hang out a little bit. Um, yeah, and I also heard from, uh, what's his name, Joel, I think, from South Africa, um, who lives, who's also in season seven of Alone. Uh, and I think he was on that trip as well. I might be getting his name wrong. I, I keep recording these things out in the middle of nowhere where I don't have any Wi-Fi, so I can't confirm that I'm not getting people's names wrong and so on. Um, anyway, this episode is with Tony Gonzalez, who is a Hall of Fame NFL tight end, amazing athlete. Um, now before those of you who aren't into athletes or into athletics or into American football, just turn off. I want to say that this conversation wasn't really very much about football. It was about life seen from a very unusual perspective. Um, Tony is not a jock. It's almost like he's an accidental athlete. He's a really smart, thoughtful, kind guy. It's, it's, and you'll hear in the conversation some of my confusion as to how he has maintained his humility and open-mindedness and just sort of core decency having had the life that he's had so far. Um, it's really perplexing to me and interesting how um, people manage to maintain their authenticity in the face of fame and money and you know, competitive glory and like all these things. Um, it's, it's just fascinating. And I find it really admirable, um, when people are able to just keep their shit together, uh, under extraordinary circumstances, whether those circumstances are, you know, war or poverty or wealth or fame. I mean, it's all, now, some, I don't know if it was Sapolsky or somebody made a big point of the fact that stress is stress. Your body experiences it as stress. Your body doesn't care if the stress came because you won the lottery or because, you know, you lost your leg in a car accident. As far as your body's concerned, it's basically the same thing. It's disruptive. It's stressful. It's unusual. It's um, challenging. And... Um, yeah, so uh, I want to thank Dan Pardee for putting us in touch. Dr. Dan Pardee was um, doing some work that uh, led him into Tony's world. I don't remember exactly what it was. He's a, a neuroscientist, I believe. And uh, I guess Sex of Dawn came up and Dan mentioned that he knew me and Tony mentioned that he'd like to meet me and, and we got in touch and... Um, yeah, it was kind of strange. Uh, Tony invited me last time I was in L.A. in November and invited me over to his place to hang out and get to know each other. And uh, 
So I went to this mansion in Beverly Hills, and uh, we sat in his office and talked for a while. And in the middle of the conversation, he was like, "Oh shit, I got to do this interview." And you want to hang out? I'm like, yeah, I'll just hang on. So he went over to his computer, logged on, talked to some production people, and did like a 10-minute spot on some sports show <laughs> while I sat there and looked at a, a large format book about Muhammad Ali. And, and then uh, that was over, and he came back, and we just kept chatting. Um, and, and there was an interesting moment where I said to him, kind of apologetically uh you know i know about football i grew up watching football but i basically missed your entire career because i was out of the country and i kind of lost interest in american football when i was in spain i was much more into soccer um and so i know that you're a really big deal but i don't really know much about you or your career and and uh, and he was like, oh, yeah, whatever. Like, you're into Messi and those guys? I was like, yeah. He's like, yeah, that's cool. And, and then we just kept talking. He didn't give a shit. It didn't matter in the least to him that I wasn't a fan. Um, and that's always a good sign, you know? It's like sometimes people say to me, like, I'm really sorry I haven't read your book. I don't care. I don't care. Who are you? What are we talking about here? That's what's going on. I don't need you to blow smoke up my ass about my books. Um, so it's, it's uh, I don't know. I, I like that about him. I like a lot about him. Um, last thing I want to say about this is that I was hanging out with Kyle Tierman's dad recently, E.T. Really interesting guy. Very wise I think a wise man, uh, not to say a wise guy, but definitely a wise man. And he told a story that I think is going to stick with me for a long time. And it's a story that pertains to this conversation with Tony, because as I said, this, this conversation you're about to hear, it's not really about sports. It's about life. It's about drive what drives someone to be one of the best ever at something um anyway the story is that et was at a dinner i guess he was doing uh he's a, a filmmaker he was doing some sort of documentary work with uh some billionaire and there's a dinner, and Joseph Heller was at the dinner. Joseph Heller, for those of you who, who don't know, wrote a book called Catch-22 um, that not only was a huge bestseller, but the term entered the English language. A Catch-22 is a situation in which you're wrong no matter what you do. Um, the book was about the American forces in North Africa during World War II, and these guys had to fly these uh, bombing missions over Italy trying to bomb the Nazis, and they were getting shot down. Uh, and so initially when they got there, they said, okay, you fly 20 missions, and then you can go home. And when they got to like 19 missions, they said, oh, we're, sorry, it's been raised to 30 missions now, and they kept raising it. 
and all these guys are getting shot down and dying and the ones who aren't dying are freaking out because they're about to die and finally one of the pilots his name was rosarian goes to the psychiatrist and says i can't fly any more missions and the psychiatrist says why he says because i'm losing my mind i'm crazy and the psychiatrist says well if you know you're going crazy then you can't be going crazy because people who are actually going crazy don't know they're going crazy that's the catch-22 you can tell me you're crazy that means you're not if you are crazy you won't tell me you are so you're screwed no matter what anyway here's the story they're at the dinner and someone says to joseph heller do you realize that this guy this billionaire makes more money in one day than you've made in your entire life and Joseph Heller says, yeah, I guess that's true, but I have something he doesn't. The guy says, what's that? Heller says, enough. What is the price of enough? What is the value of enough? When do we have enough? All right, along those lines, I'm going to play a song very much uh, with that theme. It's called uh, Star People, and it's by George Michael. It's one of my favorite songs. Someday I'll do a podcast, I hope, if I get around to it, a themed podcast, Aroma, about featuring songs where the artist talks about the challenges of fame the drive that makes people want that attention um the insatiable hungers a lot of stuff tony and i talked about in this conversation um george michael another wise man had some uh, very very significant insights on what it is that make people do the things that he was doing and do them so fucking well Thank you, as always, for your attention, your support of the podcast, however that manifests. If you use my Amazon affiliate link or you uh, make donations to the podcast through my website, tangentiallyspeaking.com, I appreciate it all. Uh, Tell your friends, write a review on iTunes or whatever podcast app you're using. I appreciate it. I'm coming to you, by the way, from central Idaho. Uh, along the Clearwater River, a little south of Grangeville, or maybe it's Grangerville, I'm not sure, uh, on the road to Elk City. It's kind of funny, Elk City. Do you really think it's a city? I don't think it's a city. I think it might be like a tiny little village at most. But they've got some pretensions. They've got some some ambitions down there in Elk City. Uh Anyway, there's smoke in the air. Not sure if we're going to stay here tonight or or roll somewhere. This is the thing about this van life in the summer. You're kind of running from smoke the whole summer. And, you know, every plan you make is contingent upon it not being smoked out. Anyway, uh, that's the uh, Willow Creek you hear in the background. I'm camped out here. It's a beautiful spot if you're ever in central Oregon and it's not, or central Idaho. And it's not totally smoky. You should check it out. All right, Star People, George Michael, and followed by a conversation with Hall of Fame tight end, 
Tony Gonzalez. Thanks, Tony. I still don't know why the hell you took the time to do this. I don't know. It's all... There's no upside for Tony. Tony doesn't need, you know, to connect with my audience or sell a book or... He's just doing it because he's a cool guy, I guess. I, I there, there are a series of guests I've had where I can't figure out why the hell they bothered. But uh, I certainly appreciate it. Thanks, Tony. And thanks to you for listening and uh, giving me something to do with myself. Star people, George Michael. Bye. Maybe your mama gave you a boy. Maybe your daddy didn't love you enough, girl.
All right, I'm in the kitchen of Tony Gonzalez. Yeah. <laughs> you want something to eat? I'll make you something. <laughs> you just you got some bagels on the table. Uh, my first question for you is, uh, why are you doing this? Doing what? This. Why, why did you agree to give up an hour of your Friday morning <laughs> for some guy you hardly know with a podcast? I mean, seriously, like, I appreciate it. I well, really do appreciate it. But, yeah. but I, why? Well, I've read your book, uh-huh. uh, Sex of Dawn, that one. Uh, and I've read your latest book, too, Civilized to Death. Uh, and I've always been, been a big fan of yours. And we met before, and yeah. we've, we've had a chance to hang out. And you're, you're a cool guy. Well, thank <laughs> you, man. So, I, yeah. I wasn't not? trying to solicit a compliment, but I mean... <laughs> It, it's always interesting to me, you know, like the way my life is arranged, I have a, I think I have like a little bit of fame, you know, mm-hmm. uh, just enough to see, like sometimes I meet people and they're nervous, you know, uh-huh. because they, they've listened to the podcast or they saw me on TV or something. But f- for you, you're, it's a whole different level. I mean, mm-hmm. you must be dealing with that. So I feel like I have a taste of what that must be like. But then when I hang out with someone like you, I'm always like, why Why is this guy hanging out with me? He be, you know? I like guys like you. I like guys. But you know what? That, that's my, you're my, wife, my wife says uh, says that about me. She says, like, if people only knew what you were really like, like the perception. And I'm, you know what? This probably goes for for most people. I mean, people see that image of you. Right. And they think, like for me, they're going to think big football player, jock, meathead type guy. Yeah. Uh, but you know, the stuff that I'm interested in is, is I don't like, like your book. I want to hear a different version. I, I love to have my beliefs challenged. Mm. So that's why I love to read books and the book. Right. I really don't read uh, uh, fiction. I, I like nonfiction and I like books that are going to open my mind and challenge my thoughts of what I, what I thought Mm-hmm. Uh, because usually that's how it is. You don't know shit. You know, most people think they, they got the answers. And, and so I like being around people like that, people that question authority, question, mm-hmm. uh, and people that march to the beat of their own drums. Mm-hmm. And, and that's certainly what, what you are. I mean, you, you, you're going to challenge the, the status quo. And, uh, and I, I like doing that. I really do. Now, most football players and most athletes, uh, a, a lot of that um, public perception of them is, is actually pre- probably pretty true. But there are yeah. a lot of guys out there that are really, you know, I'm not gonna say I'm an intellectual, but but I am. I, yeah, I, they, we like to go a little deep on stuff and yeah. and get to the bottom of things. What's that like? Uh, I mean, the world of athletics is that you know? You're, I think if I understand you correctly, you're saying people who have those sorts of interests aren't very frequent. There, there's not a lot of that presence, right? Uh-huh. It's about how fast you run, how hard you hit, yeah. you balance. Uh, what's it like to be? in that world but sort of with a different way of seeing things do you feel like an outsider among you know like on a in a locker room are you kind of a weird dude yeah i kind of yeah i was kind of a to myself type guy and i wish i was a little more, and a lot of that came from fear though like like afraid to express who i am um but yeah you, you everybody it's all clicky in a locker room especially in a football locker room there's like whatever 50 60 of us in that locker room it's not like a basketball team which i played too you're a lot closer as a basketball team mm. but on a football team it's it's just like a high school like a public high school um right uh there's guys with no manners there's guys with manners there's guys that are into books there's guys that are into just the the music the guys in there just going out and having a good time drinking and and picking up girls and uh you have that whole assortment of guys and and i guess i fell into that kind of nerdish type 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 thing 
And also, too, uh, I, I've been thinking about this. This is actually funny you brought this up lately about who I am as a person. Um, uh, like my, my culture, like, like well, ethnicity. How about that? Not culture. Uh, I'm part black. I'm part white. Uh, I have a, obviously a, a Latino heritage as well. And people look at me as an outsider no matter what. No matter what room I walk into, right. I'm going to be an outsider. That's all there is to it. Right. Um, white people are going to look at me like he's not white. And black people are going to look at me he's not black. Or he's what he's got a little bit, but he's not black. And Latinos are going to look at me and be like, oh, he's not, he's not Latino. And I've always... And, and I realize how that's kind of taken a toll on me mm. uh, because then you try to blend in everywhere you go. Um, mm. And so I've been kind of fa- uh, really questioning myself on that lately. Am, am I really as free as I could be? Uh, I don't know if that's changing the subject a little bit. Change but, it, dude. But yeah, that, and, and I wish I would have done more of that instead of trying to be something that I wasn't. Right. Not that I was being a complete fraud or something like that, but um, you try to play into whatever group you're around and for me, I'm getting to the point now, 45 years old, where I just don't give a shit anymore. I don't mm. care. Like, you go, you're going to accept me or not. You think I'm, because uh, it's kind of a big deal with my last name, Gonzalez. And mm. people, people have expect, people always have expectations of you. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now you got to get to the point of, you know, the proverbial middle fingers up. With all due respect, middle fingers sure, up. And I'm sure. going to be myself. Right. Yeah. You know. Yeah, man, if you don't get to that point in life, you're doing something wrong, yeah. you know? I mean, you, you get enough. I mean, last, last time I was talking to Rogan, we, we were talking about fuck you money. Mm-hmm. And, like, people who get so much money and they still never get to the point where they're free. Yeah. Like, what's the point of money if it doesn't buy you freedom, right? Yeah. But I see so many people that they're pursuing money because they think it translates into freedom, but then as they get further down that path, they actually get less free. Yeah. Right. Cause now they're worried about what their rich friends think of them. Yeah. And is my yacht as big as this other guy's yacht? And you know, can I go to Saint Tropez or, you know, it's, it just moves you into a different world of conformity with yeah. even more pressure. Yeah. You know, potentially. Yeah. Yeah. I, well, I, I, I read a essay, not a book, uh, recently, uh, self-reliance by Ralph Waldo Emerson. Emerson, yeah, and oh fuck, it blew me away. Yeah. It blew me away. Yeah, I was like, this is maybe because this is a point. You know, I always believe books hit you. Uh, the real impactful books hit you at because you were at that point in life where yeah. you were most ready to receive yeah. it. And um, I think a, a really good friend of mine gave me that book. Uh, good friends of mine gave me that book. Uh, about a month ago and it's just like kind of changed my whole world and basically it's all about be authentic be honest mm. you're gonna people aren't gonna like you it's okay mm-hmm. and I've always been in that that camp of trying to get everybody to like me mm-hmm. yeah I always wanted to be like hey I'm cool I'm cool I'm cool and I know I am cool I, I can accept it but you would hold back some of your opinions sometime or hold back some of what you want to say and that that book kind of is over I recommend it get the translated version uh, it's five ninety nine on Amazon <laughs> Uh, that's, it's done really, really well for me lately. Yeah. Yeah. I read that book in college about the same time I first took, uh, mushrooms. Yeah. I think the two of them combined. Perfect. <laughs> Turbo it explains everything about you now. It does. Man. <laughs> it, does. it does. Because yeah, I mean, Emerson, uh, was one of the transcendentalists, right? Yeah. Which was, uh, sort of, a, a 
what I focused on in college because they were kind of like Buddhists in a weird way. Mm-hmm. Like most of them, you know, Walt Whitman, Henry David Thoreau, who wrote, have yeah. you read uh, Walden? Read, I'm, getting really, I'm getting into Thoreau now. This is yeah. all the philosophical. I've always yeah. read all these spiritual books, Deepak Chopra and right. Wayne Dyer, and, and, and which are great books. At that point in my life, it was very good, like getting mm. into your heart and compat, like the untethered soul, all that stuff. But mm. now I'm really getting into the ph- philosophical side. Uh, right. Like you said, those guys and... And uh, Friedrich Nietzsche, Nietzsche, yeah. uh, Nietzsche, Nietzsche, whatever yeah. those people say. It. But uh, but really getting into that shit too, yeah. man. I'm like, this is combined with the spiritualism, with the philosophy. Maybe it's kind of like Stoicism, like Marcus mm. Aurelius, right? Combining all that stuff and then and then throwing it all away too. I'm at that point right. in my life. I want to throw all that shit away and say, all right, Tony, it's time for you. It's right. time You're, you got, you got a brain and you got a soul too. And th- those those men and women have nothing on you. Yeah, I mean, th- they're just a person. Yeah. And, Come to your own beliefs now. Just stop, yeah. stop feeding into what everybody else is thinking. That's beautiful. That's, I mean, people go through these phases at different times in their lives. I, I just had lunch yesterday with a friend of mine who, um, awesome dude, uh, really interesting guy. He was a fashion model and then he was an actor and got, got famous young. Um, and then he sort of looked back when he, when he was maybe, I don't know, 38 or so. He looked back at his life and he's like, damn, I just wasted about 20 years. <laughs> you know, I had a good, good time, yeah, right? Yeah. And he was partying with, you know, all these famous people and beautiful people and all that. But he was like, I'm too smart for this. I want to grow up now. I want to yeah. think. I want to think. Yeah. So he started reaching out to people and he reached out to me, he had read one of my books and we became friends. And uh, he, he sort of looked at his career and he said, you know what, I, I don't want to be in dumb movies anymore. I don't want to be doing the stuff I've been doing. Yeah. So he bought a place out in Joshua Tree in the desert. And he's like, look, if I'm close enough to L.A., if I get a call, you know, whatever, I can take it. Yeah. But I, I want to live in the desert. I want to think. I want to read. I want to, like, look into myself. So then he gets a call. He's in a movie. The movie's um, nominated for Best Picture at Cannes. He's flying to Cannes. So his whole thing was, like, when he let go, yeah. then it all came to him. Yep. Yep. I think that's like an essential rule of the universe. Yeah. You know, like you chase a woman, she'll run away. Yeah. You don't chase her, she'll come. You don't want the job, they'll offer it to you. Yeah. It's like, it's, uh, there's some kind of strange. Isn't that where, uh, like yeah. the, the, the backwards law yeah. is what it's called. Yeah. At least that's what I've, I've, <laughs> I've read. Uh, but I, I've seen in my life, in my career, um, going back to my second year in the league, where I came in and I was big shit, just like we all do, because we're so talented at mm. the lower, at the collegiate level and in, in high school and collegiate. The level. ones who make it to the pros, ones are standouts pros. in college. Yeah, yeah, yeah because you're you you, for the most part, it's genetics. Like you're just you right. know I'm six five and I run pretty fast and I jump pretty damn high and right. I'm strong and all that shit. So if I put in a relative good amount of work, not a great amount of work, I, I'll be, I, I'll probably go far. I can get to the pros, but then when you get there. Uh, you realize that you're not special anymore. That's the professional ranks of anything. Right. I, I don't care what it is. Like, right. uh, so now you, you, you have to go to a different level and it's not physical anymore. Mm. And so that's when I kind of this whole world of spirituality and all that stuff started opening mm. up because I got cracked open because I got my ass kicked. Uh, and then my going in after my second year, when, when I, got, I got benched twice, uh, I dro- led the NFL and dropped passes uh, dropped 16 balls that year. Really? Oh yeah, I was getting written up in the paper as a bust, and it's never <laughs> happened to me. I've been like, I've been good. Like, I was good. Uh, it's funny because <laughs> when I looked you up, I think after the first time we met, yeah. uh, 
it was all about how you never drop passes. Yeah, well, that it didn't start out that way. <laughs> it changed. Yeah, well, and I always look back. When you look back, the worst times in your life are usually the best times if you mm. learn from it. Like mm. people always, I don't care who you talk to, when they have success, you're like, take me back to that time. And they're like, shit, yeah, it got real dark. I hit rock bottom. I did this. And then I had to figure this shit and out. And is that because you reach that level where every, you've been kicking ass your whole life and then you get to a point where some somebody's kicking your ass for the yeah. first time? First time, right? yeah. That's got to be... It hurts. Humiliating. Oh, it, and, it like, hurts. Break your spirit. Is that why you see these guys come up who are super talented and they just spin out once they get into the NFL and disappear? Well, how it's happening, or is it the money and the fame and all? I that? think there's a combination of all that. I think. I think when. Oh, sorry about that. The talk. Chica, chica, relate. Uh, I think when you uh, when guys come to the NFL, okay, they have a first round draft, right? statistically half of those guys in that first round will be out of the league in, in three or four years, mm. uh, which is still longer than an average career, which is two and a half years. But the, the first round draft choice, the first pick, like he's the stud, stud, stud of, right. of, of collegiate football. And he doesn't make it. And it isn't because he's not strong enough. It's not because he's not talented. These guys are phenoms, like one yeah. in a billion type, type bodies and stuff, one in a million type bodies. And so the reason that I believe that those guys – half those guys won't make it is because of what's going on in their head and what's going on in their heart and how they deal because you're going to get your ass kicked now. Mm. You've been talented. Right. How are you going to deal with getting hit in the face by a grown man now <laughs> right. instead of dealing with these kids that you've been dealing with? You know, some guy who's 32 years old who's, yeah. who knows that this is the only way for him. He's going he's gonna to come rip your heart out on the mm. football field. Mm. And so uh, that's what happened to me. I got my ass kicked and it was hard for me to handle it. And you're going to have to go through it. That's the thing about it. Nobody's immune to it. you you got to go through it. In fact, I think... The worse it is for you at the beginning, looking at someone like myself or Peyton Manning, who threw the most interceptions for a rookie ever in mm. history. <laughs> and they won, I think they won three games that year uh. or two games or whatever, his rookie year. And I'm, and then like, that's the best thing never. That's why Peyton had that huge chip on his shoulder. Mm. Tom Brady, same thing. Six round draft choice. Didn't start for a couple of years. It's like you develop this hardness when you go through those shit times and you, and it helps you level up, I think. Mm. Uh, and, and for me, that's what, what did it for me was going through those times. And I started reading all these books. I started learning about excellence. Uh, and for the beginning, back to the beginning, I, I got to the point where I said, you know what? I'm not, I have a coach, but he's just a guide. I'm not, I'm going to do it my way. I'm, I'm going out there and I'm going to go down on, on my own with, with, with what's in my heart and what I think. And, and don't get me wrong. I'm listening. I'm still coachable. But if I don't like what you're saying, I'm going to still, I'm going to go back to doing it my way. And I'm going to try your way. And I think a lot of people don't do that. Like you said, I just stopped giving a shit. And I said, if I'm going to be out of the league, I guess this is it. And this is what happened after my second year. And, I, and a couple of books helped guide me to that. And, and the rest was history, honestly. When, once I stopped caring about what my teammates thought, uh, I stopped caring about trying to be cool in the locker room. And that's where I became kind of a, not a loner, but kind of, you know, in my own little corner of the locker room. I wasn't a team leader guy. I wasn't a guy given, you know, whatever uh, brave heart speeches and shit like i was i was just somebody in the, like i go out there and do my job and i'm a staff to practice i'm gonna go before i became be deeply committed and deeply i don't care what anybody thinks about me anymore i'm just gonna go out there and, and do my thing mm. and that and it changed everything for me and it, was there something all right so you're you're coming at it with this very philosophical deep perspective and yet, I, I remember, I'm sure you've heard this quote, I forget who it is, some coach, they said, you know, he was some great football coach, and they said, what's the key to being a great coach? And he said, you have to understand the game really well, 
but not well enough to realize how little it all matters. Yeah. <laughs> right? So yeah. a guy like you coming at it with this deep, multifaceted perspective, do you ever run up against the idea of like, yeah, but really it's just a bunch of dudes running around on a field chasing a ball. Like, this isn't, I'm not defending my family. I'm not, you know, fighting a fire. I'm not saving a life. I'm just, you know, running around banging into dudes. Do you, do you ever face that futility? or is- uh, I never really questioned that because it, it, it meant that to me, though. You know, like, I, I know it's not a big deal to other people, but I, it's a big deal to me. And, and it's important for me. Why? Where, where's that importance come from? Because I wanted to be excellent. Hmm. I want to be good. And uh, I want to I see how good I can be. That's probably the better answer. I want to, I want to, I, I have, my biggest fear in life, period, is w- when you find something that you love, which is hard to do sometimes, um, but when you do find it and then not, not realizing your fullest potential for it. I can't handle going to bed thinking, shit, I didn't do enough. And so maybe that's a little curse sometime and, and I'm hard on myself a little time and, and I'm learning how to relax on that. Uh, but I have to, I'll do whatever it takes to see how good I can be at it. It's like acting now. I'm, I'm, I'm acting now. Um, and, and that's hard as shit to do. Uh, people think it's so easy, but it's, it's really hard if you want to be really, really good at it. And for me, yeah, so I'll do all the acting classes twice a week. I was doing all that. I was mm. reading, I read every book out, you know, reading all the acting type different styles and, and, uh, for me, it gets a little confusing sometimes because then it got it got in my head a little bit with right. it, and and then uh, and then I started booking nothing, <laughs> yeah. and then uh, like you like you said with your friend just a couple uh, minutes ago, th- I actually quit because I was acting. I was getting parts when I wasn't going to acting class and reading about it, and then once, uh, and then about a, six months ago, about right before COVID, I said I'm done with this shit. Like I had literally auditioned for about over fifty auditions, going to, and getting told no. You're not good enough. And so... So this is equivalent to going into the NFL. Going to the NFL. like get knocked on your ass. You're doing something new. Getting on, and devastating. For me, it's important. I care. Yeah. And yeah. so like after certain additions, I'm walking out of there. I've seriously got tears in my eye. I'm crying. Because I embarrassed myself so bad, too. <laughs> and I was... So, you can see the looks on their faces, too. They're like... Uh, uh, yeah, that was good. And you're like, no, you can see on their face, they yeah. can't even lie. <laughs> like, yeah. I, suck. I, I know I suck. They're bad it. actors. Yeah, you're a bad actor. <laughs> yeah. uh, and so I quit and I stopped going to class. And then this audi- uh, a friend of mine came to me, and he, who I know, and he said, uh, and he said, hey, I got a part for you. And I'm like, oh, I'm not really doing that anymore. <laughs> and he goes, well, I think it'd be great for you. You should try it. And so, I, so I said, screw it. And so I did it. And this is the first time I like, I just, Said I don't give a damn. Yeah. Like I don't. I'm probably not gonna. I'm not gonna get it anyway. Right. Uh, and I and of course I get the, I get the part now. Once I stop caring. Yeah. And once I once I quit and said I'm quitting, I'm done. And then it shows up for you. Uh, and I and I think that's a deep philosophy in life. You need to really yeah. go through life saying I just don't. I'm doing. I'm gone. I'm on. I'm on my own agenda. I'm blazing my own trail. I'm not right. trying to be like somebody else. Right. Yeah. I interviewed a dude a while ago. Uh, Edward. S- Singerland, I think his name was. He wrote a book about Wu Wei, which is a Taoist concept of trying not to try. Mm-hmm. It's it's all about this. It's about like taking it seriously and putting effort into it and focusing, but loosely. Yeah, you know. There's. I always think of this, and I've told this story before on the podcast, but it's it's to me it's it's one of those things that happened in life that was 
I'll never forget it. I was with a friend where we were out in the middle of nowhere on the stream and, you know, we, we altered consciousness uh-huh. a bit. And my, we saw frog in the stream, little, little frog, little, one of those little like super fit frogs, not a fat, lazy toad. Right. Mm-hmm. And my buddy decided he wanted to catch it. So he goes over and I had a flashlight, one of those flashlights you can focus the beam so you can really see. And and he gets up behind it and, and he sort of and it jumps out of the way and, and I could focus on it going underwater and see where it came up. So then he went over and tried to get it again. And he's like, Ah, oh, fuck this, you do it, man. See if you can catch it. And uh and I'm kinda like I don't have much athletic ability, but I'm fast hands. I'm, I've always been good at, you know, quick hand speed. So I go up and I'm just about to grab this frog. And then I thought, man, I'm going to hurt this frog. If I really go for it, I might just crush it in my hand, you know? And it's yeah. a delicate little thing. I don't want to hurt this frog. So I put my other hand, I just gently put my hand in front of the frog. And it stepped up onto my hand. Yeah. And I was like, oh, this is a metaphor for everything. Yeah, it is. <laughs> you know, don't try to grab it. Just make yourself available. Yeah. And it comes to you. Yeah. Um, Woo way, yeah, and that's part of that. Don't give a shit. I don't even know. It's, or, it's you're giving a shit and not giving, giving a shit, shit at the same time, it, yes, right? It, and it gets lost on a lot of people. It's probably people that are going, "What? What are you talking about?" But <laughs> that, it's, it's a balance. It's an art. Yeah, it's a, it's a yeah. Buddhist. It's a the archery, right? Where exactly. you, you have to literally don't try to hit the target. Don't exactly. try. Uh, I was I was with my uncle last night. My uncle is like the coolest dude I've ever known with women. He's so relaxed. He's not particularly good looking. He's not, you know, whatever. He doesn't have a lot of the sort of uh, conventional attributes that you would think. But his thing with women is, and he was talking about how he was trying to explain to a young guy, he sees a woman that he's interested in. He doesn't like look at her and think about what to do and get all, he just walks over to her. Holds out his hand, says, hi, I'm Dan. I, you look like someone I'd like to know. Yeah. And just let it go. And his thing is like, I'm openly saying I'd like to meet you, but I'm also not really worried about it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like if you say, well, my husband's, you know, this is my husband. Like, oh, good to meet you too. Right? Yeah. Or yeah. like, I got no agenda, really. Yeah. Um, so it's, again, it's like interest, but relaxation at the same time. Yeah. 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 I, and you look at, I have friends really successful friends it's like you said you always got that one friend who's not that not the best looking guy he's not the best shape but he, he's like always with these beautiful girls yeah. and he's the guy who walks in the room like he owns the place yeah. uh shoot i think you can go it can get you elected i think trump yeah say I whatever you want about trump good point it's where it, it, people he is charismatic and i think that's what charisma is i think charisma is saying i just don't give a shit uh, and maybe it goes back to self-reliance with yeah. Ralph Waldo Emerson, yeah. where he he's yeah. so authentic to himself. He doesn't remind you of anybody else. Right. And people respond to that and people aren't going to like you. And that's what in, in the essay it was like, yeah, you're yeah. going to turn off a lot of people. But yeah. the people that do like you are really going to like you because you're going to strike a chord in them. That, that on, uh, authenticity, right. that honesty is going to. And by the way, honest, he could be lying <laughs> in yeah. Trump's case. But yeah. but people are going to respond to complete open verbal bleh, uh, and, and people negatively and positive so right. you have to be ready for that right but that's the only place that you'll achieve uh quote-unquote greatness i mean the guy came yeah. a freaking president doing that yeah how do you deal with i mean your own situation you, you know you're 
you're a Fox News analyst. Sports, right? sports, not news. Oh, <laughs> not news. Sports. We're Fox Sports. Yeah, there yeah, you yeah. different division. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, when I say Fox <laughs> News, just I follows know, it. You know? um, but like you've got, you've got professional reasons to be careful about what you say, right? Mm-hmm. Like you have to sort of absolutely, you have to filter, but you're also trying to be very authentic within yourself within the filter. Yeah. How how do you negotiate that? Is that complicated it it gets a little complicated there's certain people out there it has to be authentic too i i I look at uh charles barkley he's another case study for me dude yeah who i love i had a chance hung out a a bunch of times actually yeah um and uh the reason he people love him so much is the same reason they hated him so much during his during his career and stuff like he Mm. he's gonna say stuff that it's just off the wall stuff sometimes, and he's gonna piss people off. He's gonna yeah. piss players off. Yeah, it's what the people out there in the sports world, like Stephen A. Smith. I think it's mm-hmm. Stephen A. Like I, I, not not my cup of tea. Mm. Uh, see him in person, likable guy, but he's just gonna say stuff that, and I think it's authentic too. I don't think right. it's, and maybe they'll tune it up a little bit, and you you gotta have showmanship too. Yeah, uh, and so for me, I I try to be as I, I, it's all about your values. And right. So for me. I value being honest, uh, but I also value being fair. And so I can, I can say something about somebody, a player or whatever, because uh, I've been through it before, and I, I'm not going like, to just rip a guy to shreds um, for what he's doing on the field. And I'll do it in a fair way, I guess. Because right. I, I, I always want to be fair, and I know there's two sides to, to everything on a football field, and probably that's life. And when you see a guy, you know, if you're asked your opinion of some rookie who's having a bad time, I'm sure you remember what you were going through, you know? So, I mean, having a bad time could be the first step toward a great career. Yeah. And and I'll embrace him. And I'm like, he'll learn from that. And and you have to learn how uh, a lot of guys come in when they make the transition from football to, to, to television. You get some guys coming there just ready to argue at everything. Mm. And I've learned that from Fox, like with Howie Long and Terry Bradshaw and Michael Strahan they're the, and Jimmy Johnson. They're the best. And the, the reason they're, they're, I think it's 73% higher rating than the next pregame show. Really? It, that they dominate is because they're just, they're so honest and free. Mm. Um, they like each other. So the chemistry's there. Mm. Uh, but I, their opinions... Uh, they don't. They don't come in there and just bash the hell out. For the most part, Terry might do it every once in a while. Yeah. But for the most part, they're really fair. Uh, where they'll call a guy out without trying to embarrass. It's not coming from a place of meanness, right? And like I got you. And a lot of guys come to Lee, uh, when they make that transition. They want to do television. Like, I got you because that gets headlines. Mm. But I think that's so cheap. I think yeah. that's. I think that's so easy. And and you're there for a little bit, but then no one's ever really gonna respect you if they because people will get a sense that that's I don't know. It's it's yeah. uh, it's not very authentic to me. Put it that yeah. way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I know uh, like Terry Bradshaw has been in some some scrape ups with the Steelers yeah. and Roethlisberger and all that. But I, what I've always loved about Terry Bradshaw, and I grew up watching him. I lived in Pittsburgh when I was a kid, and it was in the seventies and the Steel Curtain and all that shit, right? Um, like he his enthusiasm. Like he doesn't filter his love for yep. the game yep. and his love of life. I would say, and I feel like. Charles Barkley's sort of similar. Yeah. He's like, forget football. Those would just be really fun dudes to hang out with because they're having a blast. And they are. 
Yeah. They're a lot of fun. Yeah. And same thing with like Michael Strahan. People are like, what is he? Why he's on GMA? He's on all this stuff. And, I've, and you know, he's become a really good friend of mine. And, and guys like that are just, they're, they're also fun to hang out with. I've met a couple of these famous actors. And you see them outside of their, they're charismatic. They're fun. It's like, and it shows up on film. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't think you can hide that. Like if you're being, yeah. as an actor too, that's, that was another thing that I was such a shitty actor before. Uh, is because I wasn't authentic. I was I was trying to be something right. instead of becoming you were acting. And I was acting. Yeah, like they call it acting, but it, and I've read this too. It's not just my original thought there. Like it shouldn't be called acting. It should yeah. be called it should be called being. being yeah. Just go there and, and and be that part. Try to come from your heart. And the, and the masters like Leonardo and the, all those those Oscar guys. They, I mean, they're on a. Tom Hardy, those type of guys, they're on another Tom level. Hardy's crazy. Uh, yeah. Right now, I'm just trying to be authentic when I'm when I'm doing my acting. Yeah. Are you being cast in roles similar to who you are? Or yeah. yeah. Right now, that's I, helpful. The latest role that I'm doing right now, it's called uh, the Long Slow Exhale. Uh, Josh Lucas is the lead. Uh, Fimke Jansen, I don't know if you remember her. She was one of the Bond girls. Mm. Uh, anyway, uh, I'm playing. I'm playing an ex football player, mm. uh, retired, who has a daughter on a basketball team, and I have ALS. Mm. So it's not about sports at all, mm. even though I'm an ex athlete. But I get to feel a little bit more comfortable because right. I am an ex NFL right. player. Uh, uh, but it's also now I got to have ALS, and now I got to have this relationship with my daughter. Right. And, and so you have to, you know, I do have kids. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I've never had ALS, of course, but mm-hmm. uh, I, I, you, you have to have to tell my daughter this and she doesn't know and yeah. stuff like that so you have to really tap into to where that's happened to you before and be authentic in it like really yeah. feel it and, and that makes it more fun too yeah that, when i played sports it's more fun to do that it's more fun to let go and stop caring it's so much weight you can judgment self-judgment when you when you're trying to be something you're not is, is it the same kind of zone the acting and the athletics where you just sort of forget yourself and yes just do it just yes. be it Without a doubt. Yeah. Absolutely. It's like that on the football field. It's like that when I do my pregame show. Uh, the first couple of years, I, 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 was, I was struggling. I mean, I could get by. You can always get by. If you work hard enough, you'll get by. Hmm. That's where hard work, I believe in hard work and commitment. But that's just half the battle. Uh, you can't have one without the other. If you want to go to greatness now. If you want to go to that, like, like Michael Jordan or that Kobe level like that, I... They're completely free in the moment, completely being themselves. They're not worried about, they've worked so hard, like learn your lines, right. learn your moves in the, on the football field, learn, know what you want to talk about when you're doing a pregame show. So you've put that work in, but then when you get out there, it's time to let go and right. just be yourself and be as honest as you could be without thinking about anything. So uh, that's what's really, what's really helped me in my acting because I didn't make that I, I, I didn't figure that out. I was like, damn, you know what? It's just like football. Like when I got on a football field, if, it, if the route calls for me to go 12 yards and go to the corner, um, I, I was so good at a certain point. Like, I, like stop worrying about, okay, well, I'm going to dip my head inside. And, and then when I get him, I'm going to come out. You can't think like that. Right. You got to be absolutely submerged in the moment and authentic and honest and, and go out there and just let her rip. And who cares what anything? Like you can't be worried about anything else because that takes away from your performance and it, on the field. And then you do that when the pregame show, and then with the acting. Uh, and when I'm speaking to you right now, like it's just just let it go, uh, and you have so much more fun. That's yeah. when the joy of the game comes. When you're just I don't care, just just because yeah. then your training takes over, and then you got to put yeah. the training in. You still have to train your ass off. It's it's like 
it's like what we were saying before, the Wu Wei thing. It's like you're you have more fun when you remove yourself somehow. Yeah. You know, like the less you're there, the more you experience in a strange way, ego wise. Yeah. And it's more fun. Yeah. God, it's more fun. I mean, tell me no, but that's the reason we like Terry. That's why, that's why we like Michael. That's why we like uh, Charles. Right. Like the, the personalities, the Oprah, like but what about, just free. You just mentioned fun. Michael Jordan. I watched that, the last dance recently. And it was like, I just kept thinking like, does this guy ever have fun? He seems so unhappy. What? Really? Michael Jordan. He's all like, you know, it's all angry. And, you know, these guys didn't want to do hard enough. They didn't do this and they didn't do that. And the, I, I was like, I want to know more about Scottie Pippen. I want to know more about Phil Jackson. Michael Jordan to me was like, dude, loosen up already. Yeah. But I think I hear what you're saying, but that's authentic to him, though. That's, I don't think yeah. he was faking. And that goes back to. Yeah, you might not agree with how they're doing it, but I think he's being authentic as, as hell. Well, apparently he had an older brother who like beat him up all yeah. the time and he was never so his whole life is trying to like live up to this older brother who he left behind, you know, 20 years ago or whatever it was. Right. Yeah, a little psychotherapy never hurts. Yeah. <laughs> oh shit, I've, you know, <laughs> I think we all use some of just that. Just put down the weight, you know. I mean, the weight that you're carrying got you made you strong, but at some point well, the you tiger, can put it down. How about Tiger Woods? How about dude, that documentary? <laughs> I, I didn't see the documentary, oh, but God. you got You haven't seen that? Uh-uh. Oh, you got to see it. It's I, amazing. My, I wish that I had had a chance to sit down with Tiger Woods, you know, before he got married, and explain yeah. to him the way the world really is as far as women and relationships, at least from my perspective. Like, dude, you do not need to paint yourself into a corner. No, ever. You can have whatever you want, you know? I mean, yeah. that guy could have been married to a fantastic woman and slept with all the waitresses he wanted to. Yeah. And she would have been totally cool. She would have been with him. They could uh. have slept with waitresses together. Yeah. I mean, you can, <laughs> you're Tiger Woods. You can have whatever arrangement yeah. you want mm-hmm. with love, with honesty, with authenticity. You don't need to compromise. Yeah, but he didn't. Compromise. In, in the doc, you see that he didn't get that because of his father, your most important figure in your life and you see what he did to his mom like you see you know tiger (laughs) it was about tiger woods but how he was um his dad earl was married and went to the war went to vietnam and came home with another wife right and and a child named tiger woods oh really that's how he got here and then he saw his dad doing all the stuff on the course and then the way he taught him to uh, really really interesting kind of pertains to our conversation he uh earl pushed him so hard and made everything about sports like all their wall everything was eat sleep breathe mm-hmm. golf and you're an assassin and verbal uh, mental mental warfare and no mercy kind of like the dojo <laughs> the yeah. enemy deserves no mercy uh and then he'd call him the n-word on the course like why he in the middle of his putts like he would talk he would I'll jingle keys all that stuff messing him with him mentally mm-hmm. and he said i Tiger, Errol said this to his son. He said, um, I'll stop. We're going to have a, a, a word, a, a safety word. And it's, that word is enough. And he goes, just tell me enough and I'll stop. You know how many times Tiger used that word? Zero times in mm-hmm. his whole life. Zero. Mm-hmm. And they didn't even say it. He wouldn't even say it. He called it the E word. <laughs> so he gave him the safe word that you could never use though. Yeah. You, and then the enough too. So yeah. it's never, never enough. So for yeah. him... He could win a championship. He was never going to be satisfied, never going to be satisfied with one woman, never going to be satisfied. And I don't know how you turn that off. 
I, it's really, really, really tough. You have to go through a lot of therapy to undo that type of... But it also made you the best golfer of all time. Yeah, but if you aren't enjoying it, what's it worth? What is it worth? That's the thing about Michael it. Jackson. I would love to ask everybody out there listening, <laughs> would, you trade, would you trade your position for Tiger? Would you say, you know what, to be the best golfer ever, or the best at anything, the best singer ever, the best actor ever, yeah. best businessman ever, would you trade it all to be unhappy like that? Yeah. Or to have these bouts of happiness, these extreme bouts of depression? Because you, you're going to go through a depression like and that. And to what extent is that unhappiness necessary to achieving that level of greatness, right? So if you, I, I've always said this. I think Western civilization runs on psychopathology, in the sense that most of the people that we idolize are deeply unhappy people. If they were happy, they would have quit when they were good. They would have quit when they had $10 million. They would have quit when they had three houses, or they would have quit when, you know, there's a point at which you say, okay, I'm good. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm just going to chill out with my friends now and this beautiful woman I'm with, and we're going to travel and we're going to have a good time. I don't need more than this. Uh-huh. That's a healthy response to plentitude, right? Mm-hmm. The unhealthy response is never enough. Yeah. It's never enough. Yeah. I mean, that your, the story about Tiger Woods is perfect. But, you know, Michael Jackson, Elvis, like the kings, yeah. they're all sad, yeah. pathetic, empty people chasing something that they never catch. Yeah. And they're the ones that we say, that's, those are our idols. Yeah. Or in politics. I yeah. mean, Trump is an interesting example. And it's also Obama. I feel like Obama is an exception. But most of these people, they're desperate for power. Yeah. Desperate for attention. Desperate for money. Desperate for this. Desperation's not cool. Yeah. 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 Well, that's why I felt weird about Michael, J- Michael Jordan. It's like, dude, you're great. Enjoy it. But he, he's incapable of enjoying it. Yeah. Yeah. But it, <laughs> God, it creates such genius uh i don't know who i was reading something i can't remember who said it but maybe it was nietzsche nietzsche um that you have to have a certain amount of chaos in you Mm. to achieve greatness that's where your creativity comes in and i think it's part of life though there's there's harmony and not balance i I believe in harmony because sometimes things are going to take you know a bigger role in your life yeah but you gotta like the buddhist thing like life is suffering you're going to suffer there's going to be some shit. I don't care what. You can go, unless you want to live up in the Himalayas and, and meditate all day. Or Colorado. Or Colorado. <laughs> and not, not come out. But if you're going to be like majority people in the, in the mainstream yeah. of, of things, you're going to run into some problems. You got to understand. But my thing is, like, pick your shit. Pick your poison. Mm. Like, I want to I wanna run into the problem of act. Like, I chose to be an actor. Mm-hmm. And so, at least I'm choosing that. I'm choosing my embarrassment, where I'm going to get it from. <laughs> and my hardships. Yeah. Where... Yeah, I, you know, if, if, if like I'm doing this role right now, when it comes out, this is kind of my my first really kind of you know, it's not a major role, but I'm a big you know I'm I'm in I'm a big part of a series now, yeah. and I've had you know it's, it's a recurring. Was it a TV show? Yeah, it's a TV show. Oh, okay. It's a TV show. Right. And so I'm putting myself out there now. Like people can look at that, and now they're going to write it up, and now they're going to they're some people are going to like it, and some people aren't going to like it. Yeah. And I got to, but at least I chose that shit. It's a good role, though. I mean, what you said about it, I. The ALS is a really interesting thing, too, because that's all about losing your body. Yeah. And as an athlete, you're all about your body, right? You're super tuned into your body. And then to have that... 
taken away. Yeah, yeah that's, that's I mean, but, it's horrible for everybody. But Yeah, I know. And I got to express that. What if I don't do it well? Mm-hmm. You know, what if they, this is all the normal human condition to, to start, you know, you question yourself. But my, and, and I think that's totally normal. And you try to move past that. But I, I believe that, that that's good, though, to me. I mean, that's part of like It's inescapable to, yeah. if you want to go after being great. Like, you're going to have to go through the fire. Yeah. And and usually you got to go through the fire a long time. Like comedians, what do they say? Ten, ten years, you got a bomb. Yeah, ten years before you become okay. Yeah, humiliation, <laughs> total public humiliation. Oh, yeah. Could you? I had Blake Griffin, the basketball player. Uh-huh. He he's doing com- comedian. He wants to be a comedian. Oh, really? Yeah, he's in, and he's done it. He's done a couple sets. Yeah, I was I was shocked by this because uh-huh. I'm like, why would you do that? To yeah. me, that's. But he does. He's like, hey, I love it. I love it. I have a buddy who's a big wave surfer, Kyle Tierman. Shout out to Kyle Tierman. He's he's a good dude. If you ever want surfing lessons, uh, you know he's he loves teaching people. Uh, anyway, he surfs Mavericks. You know, thirty, forty, oh. fifty foot waves, yeah. crazy. And he goes all around the world. He's sponsored by Patagonia, and so he's got an app. And it's like, oh, there's a fifty foot wave coming in, and you know, Cabo Verde, and they'll put him on a plane and send him out there. Anyway, he's uh, he decided he wanted to do stand up, and uh, he I, I said to him at one point like you seem calm up there, but like he's kind of socially awkward uh-huh. in in most situations, but on stage he seems calm, and he was like, yeah, man, like I'm only calm under extreme pressure. Mm. Like when I'm on a massive wave, I calm down. Yeah, but like. Sitting at a table in a cafe talking to two people makes me nervous. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I wonder if there's something like that with you guys, too. Like, you get used to Blake Griffin, like, gets used to being under all this pressure, and that's where he relaxes. So now you're looking for it in acting. He's looking for it in stand-up. Shit, I'm looking for it in my life now, probably. My wife, and that's hard. It makes you hard to live with, too. Mm. I, I know I'm hard to live with. Like. Why? Like, you, well, you went to our other house in Beverly Hills, yeah. and we had this like nice space, and and I go to my wife. And I'm like, "Hey, I think I want to move." <laughs> She's like, "What are you talking about? We just built this house." And I'm like, "Well, I don't know. Maybe let's go try Austin. Let's go try. Let's get out of here. Uh, you just Texas. like you need more stimulation." Yeah, yeah, and I I've always grown up, and it comes from your childhood. And you know, I I've moved around eight times by the mm. time I left to go to college, mm. eight different houses, and and I, I'm just used to those situations like going to a new school, going to a new situation. Mm. I, I, I would get extremely bored if I'm not challenging myself and you're right. I, I love what you just said right there where maybe it's, I need like a big, I need a big challenge. Mm. I, I do. And I don't, I'm at the point now where I don't care if I, if I have success, I don't, I'm really not caring anymore. Um, for, first of all, it's a good thing. I can say that too. Uh, because I've already had great success. Yeah. I've already done something yeah. really extraordinary with, with football, being yeah. a Hall of Famer and all that yeah. stuff. Damn. Uh, I don't, it's like I don't have anything else to prove. I don't yeah. have to, I'm doing it out of sure, and that's what I have to make sure too. Yeah. Uh, because that transition when it comes for athletes, uh, it sucks. It's hard to go out there and try and find a new gig, try and find a new, a new high, a, a new sensation. And, uh, and, and I've done it already. I've done the sports and all that stuff. And I'm just at the point, I, I, I got to choose stuff that's, that's going to make me happy. It's, I'm not cho- choosing it because of money or fame. Right. I'm going to choose it because of me. And then when I do do it, I'm going to throw it all away. I'm like, like meaning that 
whatever the goal is, I have my goal. I know the direction I want to go. It's like the archery like there, but then I'm not going to try and hit the target. I'm just going to, I'm going to let it fly. Yeah. And whatever happens, happens. And it, yeah. my, my best, most carefree time is probably a lot of people's best, most carefree. Well, also a lot of people's nightmare too, but high school for me was the best for me. And the reason it was the best for me, it wasn't because of the social, you know, I'm not talking about socially. I'm talking about from a sports perspective. I had the best time because I never, I never cared about my stats in high school. I didn't come from a family. I was the first, me and my brothers were the first people to play sports in our family. Like, hmm. not, no one even played in high school. My dad never played. My mom never played. There was no dad saying, win, excellence. I had none of that. Hmm. Not, nobody cared. They wouldn't even come to my games that much because it's just we weren't a sports family. There was right. no athletes. And then we come along. So I had no pressure from anybody to perform. And I would go out there and just, I wouldn't care if I had one or two catches or 10 catches. I didn't care how many points I averaged in basketball. I just wanted to win and hang out with my guys. And that's what I, would, that's what I wanted to do in life. Like, I, I want to go out there. I want, I want all of us to do well. Like, I was happy, genuinely happy when somebody else did well. And I can't say that in the NFL. Mm. I mean, don't get me wrong. I wasn't a jerk. But if we won a game and I had one catch, I was a little pissed off. Mm. I was. And I shouldn't have, like, I love Tom Brady. I think he's a great case study for that because I really genuinely believe he does not care. And I think that's why he's had the most success out of any NFL player. He doesn't care about what? I don't think he cares about his stats. And he's shown Mm. that. Mm. This guy, he is, people call him the GOAT. He's one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. But I remember when he was winning those, those first three Super Bowls that he won and all that, he wouldn't even go into the Pro Bowl. That means he wasn't even a top three quarterback in the AFC. And, and, you know, that's where the, the, the Patriots play. Uh, he wasn't all pro. He wasn't the, a pro bowler. He didn't have big stats, mm. but he just won games, won Super Bowls. Right. So and he was happy to just be part of the team. Happy to be part of the and team. The team wins. And he even yeah. says it. You watch his interviews, and he, he, he'll be like, um, you know, uh, are we going to throw the ball or run the ball? And he's all, well, I prefer, I'd love to throw the ball 50 times. But if we don't. I don't care. If we have to turn around and hand the ball off 50 times and we win, that's all I care about. And I believe him, though. Mm. I've said that shit before, and I was lying. <laughs> yeah, I was like, no, damn, I want to. I mean, of course I want to win at all costs, but I'm going I'm to go home. I won't be able to celebrate a good win uh, as well as I could is if I had the, you know, the big, huge game with the 100 yards. And I can admit that now. And, yeah. and that only hurt me. Didn't hurt the team because I was always going to give my best effort. There was no doubt about it. But that just hurt my enjoyment. Like you said, like it was never enough for me. I was like, shit, mm. I, gotta, I, have to, I have to be one of the best. I have to have big stats. Where does that come from with you? Like you weren't getting it from your father. You weren't getting it from your family. Mm. Where's that, that hunger come from? I'm insecure. I don't know. Back then. I was, because of moving and, and not fitting in and all that stuff? Yeah, probably not fitting in. Uh, wanting to prove myself, uh, maybe for my older brothers, like I wanted to prove it to them. Uh, older brothers, yeah, yeah. older brothers, they'll do it to you. Yeah, yeah. And I had a, a tough one. Yeah. <laughs> Me and him, we still don't talk. You know, really, we don't talk anymore. Uh-huh. Like, Sorry. so you have the psychology behind all that. Yeah, and you, you know, you don't think you you measure up. Uh, it's I always like I said, I'm, I'm looking back at my childhood, where being a multiracial kid it's it's tough especially in where i'm from like in huntington beach like or majority of my my formative years like it's a tough place to grow up especially being um ethnic hmm. like there's especially in the 80s like that place had right and if you don't have that a racial identity you don't even it's like going to prison and not 
you know, you're not in the area oh. and you're not in this. Oh, I would that. hate to go to prison. Yeah, because who's going <laughs> to, who's got your back? Oh, I'm going to get crushed. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I better have a plan. If I ever go to prison, <laughs> yeah, you, you I should who, not go to prison. No, no, who am I going to hang out with? Oh, Plus, you're pretty. Oh, I mean, you're, you're <laughs> I'll be fighting every day. Jeez. <laughs> but that's, that wasn't school for me. Like, I, I think, feel like I'm at the age now, I go to prison, people will be like, yeah, whatever. Yeah, okay. yeah. <laughs> Keep your hair gray. Uh, yeah, I've been, I've been called the, the N word a lot. I've been called. Um, the B word, beaner, a wetback. Uh, I've been called that a lot as a kid. I've been called white boy by black, by black people. Like, shut up, like, Tom. White figure boy. out who I am. <laughs> oh, I'm talking like in not funny either. Yeah, like, like they're not. Yeah. They're trying to hurt my feelings. Like that was the biggest insult they could come up with. Yeah. Uh, when I'd get in, in the fight with with some of the brothers, they would be like, "All right, whatever, white boy." Yeah. And I'm like, okay. Um. You want to pause? Yeah. Can we pause? That sure. Room? Sure. Sorry. All right, we're back. The plumber's here. Yeah. Um, you, you were talking about like uh, locker room dynamics earlier, and it reminded me, I did a podcast a while back, five years ago or something, um, with a dude who played for the Cowboys. He was before your time, maybe 10, 10 20 years earlier, I think. Um, and he has since come out as gay. Mm. And uh, it made me... You know, I I wish I had known at the time because I didn't even ask him about that kind of situation. You know, like, did you know anyone in the league who was gay or suspect? I mean, yeah. What what would that have been like? Because I I remember a dude, a dude was drafted. I don't know who who was openly gay. Openly, and then I I didn't hear more about his career. He didn't make it. He didn't make it. I, of course, when you play, there's certain guys that you have. Like I think, I think you're gay. Um, I went to Berkeley, so I'm, right. sure, so I'm real open with all that. Like I don't care. I don't. I don't right. Damn. But there are guys in on the, in the locker room. Those the, those down south boys, they care. They care about that. Yeah. I don't care what anybody says. You're gonna have certain players that are not gonna be comfortable with that, and that's why I don't. I don't think. I don't think you could – I would be very surprised to see that openly in the NFL, mm. even to this day. And it isn't because the league is homophobic or anything like that. I, don't, I, I think the NFL as a league, the, the front office would, yeah, come, come one, come all. Uh, but I do think there's going to be a small percentage of NFL players that would have a hard time with that, that did not grow up like that. Guys, they just don't want to be in the locker room with the guys, or they don't, they want, don't want to be on the field with them. They don't want to. It's it's the shower. That's honestly what it is. You don't have individual showers. We don't have individual showers unless they do individual showers and walking around the locker room. I just, I of you course guys, it could work. They could police are generating it. billions of dollars, and they're not giving you individual showers. Oh, no, no. <laughs> that's the, the funniest hell, thing. Man. I've had whole conversations about that. Like, okay. But I got really retired. <laughs> like I'm so glad I don't have to do that anymore. Like, yeah, just I, I, showering in front of you know 50, waiting in a line naked while you're trying to get into the shower. Yeah, that's uh, <laughs> what. What is that? What's going on? And with the that? bathroom situation. It's, that's nasty. so weird. <laughs> what I mean, are you gonna do? You got fit sixty guys. You can't have sixty any, showers. Sixty showers. Where are you gonna put all that? You you do. You have a shower room that's got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. You got about twelve shower heads in there. 
Yeah, but then you go in there. And you guys are like grown men. You're generating tons of money for the league. And you got to stand around like you're, you know, (laughs) just got drafted into the army or something. Oh, man. I have. That's a weird cultural thing. (laughs) I don't get it. It is weird. I mean, I don't like standing around in a room full of naked dudes. Uh, I got to tell you. Bunch of naked guys. Not not my Everything hanging out. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) All over the place. Do they think it like builds team chemistry or something? I mean, is it about vulnerability? What's, I don't get the psychological angle there. That's Uh, a weird one. I don't know. And as, and if it, if a dude is gay, that's got to make him even more uncomfortable. Yeah, and that's that's where I don't think it would be. I don't think it would be open. It would be. It's that. That's where I think it would be a hard. That would be the last hurdle. It isn't an emotion. Like most of these guys coming in, especially the younger guys, man. This, this, back when I was playing, and yeah, maybe, and maybe I'm wrong too. I'm just I'm speaking from my generation right, now. Right. Um, because these younger guys, I got 20 year old son. Like they, no, most of these young kids are woke, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. They don't care. Yeah, like literally, don't even care. Um, and so I, but I do think when you get into that, to the locker room, that's going to be like a, well, it's just like this. Like, would you let a male reporter, they're not allowed to go into a female locker room. Uh, and when I, when we play after the game is over, not only are you naked and you got a shower in front of everybody, but there's female reporters all over the place in the locker room. And you're walking around. I mean, guy reporters, people you don't even know, you'll never see again, right. are in there walking around. Yeah, I would just say nobody who's not on the team goes in the locker room. Well, they have to because that you get 10 minutes to shower. You get 10 minutes of grace time to, to get your stuff together. But there's obviously, like you said, there's, there's a line to get into the shower. Right. Uh, and then if, you're, if you had a good game or whatever it is, or if you're just slow like me, I was slow and I would play well. <laughs> so I'd have to do all these interviews and stuff. The press. Yeah. Uh, and, and uh, you know, by the time I get into the shower, it's the locker room's packed and there's women in there a lot of them have their they try to pretend like they're not looking and they hold their their <laughs> like their papers in front of their eyes and stuff like that it's like come on you know you look at it <laughs> but they they yeah. would not let a man in a female locker room right. and i think the guys i think guys would maybe they would get over it you know i have faith mm. they would they'd be like fine you know but i i, I don't I don't know. It's going to be tough. Mm-hmm. I think it would be tough. It's one of those, they, they come out after they yeah. end up. And maybe some guys know, but it's never affirmed. There was one guy that I had heard who since came out gay. I can't remember his name. He played for the Minnesota Vikings. He was an offensive lineman. And I, I talked to a guy who played with him. And he's like, everybody knew. Right. I mean, he had his, little, he had his, uh, his boyfriend would come up and pick him up sometime. Mm. Uh, and his boyfriend was supposedly like really flamboyant. Oh. Um, and he said that was his friend. And everybody knew about it, but it wasn't openly discussed. It right. wasn't like he was bringing them to, right. to the dinners and all that stuff. Yeah. Uh, so, but we'll see. Maybe I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong. But right now, I would, I would say I don't think so. Where do you think the league's going in terms of uh, the brain damage issue? Um, as far as what, though? Which, which yeah, way? I, I mean, it, are they going to come up with helmet technology that's going to do it or rule changes? Or are they just going to like, hey, everyone's an adult. Well, they know what they're getting into. Nah, they, they've made the rule changes. And I think at this point, every player knows. I mean, we knew when I played, but it wasn't open. Hmm. Uh, like they didn't have people. I got this question asked me last night. I get it asked all the time. Like, hey, how are you? You look like a football player. I played 17 years. Oh, really? Have you had any concussions? And I'm like, no, none. And they're like, seriously, never. And I'm like, probably, yeah, hmm. yes, I've had a concussion. I'm sure. I've had two. Yeah, it, 
it, but it wasn't diagnosed when I played. Right. Like we, you, it was, it was. Uh, got your bell rung. Bell rung. You got your bell rung. And yeah. they're looking at me. They're like, can you see me? And I'm like, yeah, I see like three. And they're like, uh. and then a couple, they'd come back a couple minutes later. And they're like, Hi, are you okay now? And I'm like, yeah. And they're like, okay, here's, go get back in the game. <laughs> go play. Yeah. And I'd be fine. And I feel fine now. But I don't know what the repercussions are over, you know, when I'm 65, 70, mm. 75. But I think the way the rules are set up now, the NFL has done an outstanding job of changing the rules. They've changed kickoff. They changed a lot mm. of the high impact of it. And the guys... Uh, as much as I questioned it too at the beginning, the new rules and there was a lot of players. You know, people don't like change, and so these players were like, "Well, you're you're changing the league, you're making it soft." Some of the people that watch it are like, "You're changing the NFL. It's, it's not it's not my NFL like I used to." And you're right, it's not your NFL anymore. It's changed, and these kids they're teaching it at the younger level. Like I said, I have a 20 year old who's in since his freshman year in high school. They're teaching head up. Uh, you're not allowed to spear anymore. You're not allowed to hit people when they're not looking. You know, they've changed the rules. They're doing the best they can, and they're finding people that do break the rules. But now you're seeing the technique. It's, it, it's come a long way, and, mm. and it's only going to keep getting better. And then it's to the point where, hey, if you want to play football, understand this is the risk, just like a race car driver, just like a policeman, just like a, any other dangerous, deadliest catch, like ice road truckers. It, it doesn't matter. Like you, you, that's, that's your choice now. Yeah. Um, We've made it as safe as we possibly can, but still, yes, you're gonna you're gonna fall on your head every once in a while. Yeah, mm-hmm. a lot of shit happening. Hey, listen, I, you got stuff going on. I've taken an hour of your day. That's that's all I can take without feeling like a schmuck. <laughs> Thank it. you for doing this, bro. No, no worries. I'm glad to, glad to do it. And I'm really I'm always happy when someone when I when I see someone who's like who's been successful but isn't trapped in their success. That's inspirational. That's yeah. beautiful. Because yeah. I, I know how hard it is, you know, to be free when you've been, uh, when you've worked so hard to get somewhere and then not to be attached to it. That's yeah. really cool. Yeah. Well, it takes practice. All right. Hope you enjoyed that conversation with Tony Gonzalez. You see what I mean? Dude is so much more than a football player, so much more than an athlete. Um, but a hell of a football player and a hell of an athlete but a lot more. Thanks for listening to the podcast. This has been another bullshit free ad free, no mid roll ads, no ad at the beginning and only a little kind of ad at the end where my mom tells you about the stuff in the garage. I don't know. Does that count as an ad? Can I say these are ad free, even though my mom's talking about the shit in the garage? Anyway, thank you for supporting the podcast. Really appreciate it. You keep it rolling. Um, If you enjoy the podcast and don't support it financially and can afford it, I hope you'll consider it. Think about it. Throw five, 10, 20 bucks at me every month makes life worth living. You know what I'm saying? And if you can't afford it, don't worry about it. Everything's fine. All right. Here's mom and Carsey in a semi ad, I guess. Hope everything's going well for you out there. Thanks. Bye. Okay, Mom, uh, tell people what they can order from the garage. Okay, in our cottage garage, we have lots and lots of T-shirts. Sex at Dawn, Civilized to Death, Vanthropology, Tangentially Speaking, Paleo Modern, and Talking Out of My Ass. (laughs) She didn't like saying that last one. Then we now have some new things added. We've got 
beer cozies or koozies or whatever they're called. Oh, civilized to death design. They're all civilized That's right. to death. We have stickers and car decals, right? Yes. Okay. There you have it. That's Julie, my mom. He said, baby, what's a big deal? Feel what you want to feel. Say what you want to say. You're going to die one day. For example, I could kiss you just because I want to. What's the difference if you turn away? I'm going to die one day. Why do you waste your time thinking about your reputation? Trying to meet an expectation, wondering what they're going to say. Doesn't ask for much A little music and a soft touch Why don't you let it out to play Your heart is in a birdcage Singing in your chest You wanna shut it up but give it a rest You're gonna die one day Why do we waste our time Thinking about a reputation go down we'll go singing to the smoke alarms we'll dance into the ground